Hello and welcome to another edition of Deliver More brought to you by the team here at Intech Services. My name's Nick. Joining me today are Francesca Vavila. How are you, Francesca? I'm doing great. Thanks, Nick. Oh, Very excited were. to be here. Quite welcome. And I'm here again uh, with, he was with me last month as we kicked off the new year. Mike Patterson, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I just rolled out of bed, got my hair together, brushed my teeth, and I am here and ready to talk. Nice. Well, good, good. That's the most important thing. I was, I was hoping, are you ready to talk, Francesca? Because if not, we're going to get the hell, you know, you, you're done. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that answer is a yes. <laughs> oh, it, it better be. Look, uh, it, folks, it's February. Uh, February uh, comes with, you know, it's the shortest month, but there's a lot packed into it, right? We got the Super Bowl, we have Groundhog Day, the Lunar New Year, and then, of course, the thing that really uh, gets to most Americans is valentine's day right right in the middle of the month um and i was thinking about valentine's day as we prep this particular episode so for our audience at home today we're going to be talking about uh customer reactivation and uh valentine's day got got us thinking about this uh the three of us actually um look for better or for worse some people hate valentine's day you know they kind of have it as an albatross around their neck some people love mm -hmm. it right but for better or for worse Valentine's Day does make people that can be incredibly selfish at times focus on someone else, someone else's condition, someone else's thoughts, what they're going through. And it was making me, you know, recall that Mike said this before, you know, business relationships draw really close parallels to romantic relationships in many ways. You know, some work out great. <laughs> some have a storybook ending and then some don't work out so perfectly and some need to be repaired. So look, you can go online and I, I know you two know this, but somebody like me, I could go online and Google customer reactivation and get all sorts of stuff. Um, but I wanted to throw this right to you, Mike. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what customer reactivation is in your mind, in your words, and why it's such an important part uh, of the way you do business? Yeah, Nick, that's a, I'd be glad to talk about customer reactivation and, uh, Great job on an interesting lead in with that. I was wondering where that was going with it, but it made perfect sense. So nice Industrial work. Industrial coding I, and I, Valentine's Day. Yeah. Two things I you didn't think so, missed. I try. <laughs> um, so customer reactivation is something that we've done at Intech for, I think, almost 15 years. It's a, it's a concept that I'm not sure, like you said, what the Google definition is. I know how what we what it means to my organization. Right. Uh, and, and really what it is, is it's a function that goes across sales and marketing. So it's kind of a hybrid approach where we really the purpose of it is to really try to understand uh, what's going on with our customers that maybe the relationship has drifted. Uh, maybe sales have dropped off for whatever reason. And, and we found over the years that that reason could be because they're no longer in business. They're no longer, maybe they lost that coding job to, you know, it went overseas or another coder took it, or maybe they switched the material to a competitive material. But so, but so what it really is for us, it's, it's a matter of looking at, at um, variances in sales and look and trying to understand exactly, you know, why the, uh, that, that business went away. Uh, and then obviously with the end result is we want to try to be in a position to, to get it back again at some point in time in the future, if at all possible. But there's really a couple key components that go into that, and that 
that we found that have made this a successful activity for us and that make this a worthwhile investment of time. Um, and I, when I say that, I mean, we do this once a year. And I say worth it and it takes about a week or two. So it's not a heavy lift, but it's worth it to, to, to have the sales guys make these calls and to get the information. Cause that's exactly what we want to get out of this is we want to understand and learn more about our customers and, and what's happening in their world. Cause ultimately that information is going to help us do a better job at our job. So, you know, we want to call and understand like, is, Here's things that we run into a lot. There are, the main point of contact is retired or no longer with the company. So you, we need to find out who the new point of contact is and, and continue to you know, un- introduce that. We want to find out um, you know, what's going on with their business. Are they still in the same industries or are they, you know, did they move on to something else and that you know, they have a different focus? So all that information is, is great for us. And at the same time, it's, it's, it allows us to tailor our marketing messaging based on the results we get. Because if we find that a lot of new customers are going to a new market, then Francesca's team is going to gobble that information up and then maybe alter some messaging, maybe start trying to message into new groups or into new areas, looking at different trade shows. So, you know, overall, it's a really healthy activity for the business from a sales side and from a marketing side to to just re-engage and, and kind of reintroduce ourselves and, and get back into the fold with the customers. If you're re-engaging, reintroducing yourselves, you're keeping that relationship healthy, regardless of whether or not, I guess the, the common you know, assumption is, oh, something went wrong. You know, let's go through, but, but it seems like that's not always the case. You're looking for so much more in these calls. That's, that's interesting. Now, exactly. If, if I can go on and Google that, it means, it means obviously there's other people looking for tips on how to do this. But what, what that also tells me is there's got to be a lot of people that don't do this. Francesca, why would a business not do this? There are a lot of reasons why people avoid engaging with customer reactivation. I think certainly part of it is um, not prioritizing it, saying that new business and getting new business is going to be the priority because new is shiny and exciting and has a lot of potential. Um, But reactivating customers is going to be cheaper than engaging new customers. These are people that you already did business with. They already bought with you that you already have some point of contact or relationship with. So it is easier and cheaper to, to reactivate as, as sexy as new business is, your old business is good business too. And Mm -hmm. it's a good place to mine for new opportunities in that old business. Mm -hmm. So it could just be not prioritizing it. It could also be fear um, or ego. Sure, sure. Things like it, it's hard when somebody, I mean, like you said, Nick, in the beginning, it, it's a relationship. And when relationships drift, and especially if you don't know exactly why that relationship is no longer where it used to be, it's a vulnerable position to put yourself in to reach out because the fear is, you know, well, what if they're mad at me for something? What if we didn't deliver? What, what if, what if, what if can ruin a whole lot of potential and opportunity in business. And so people aren't going to ask the questions because they don't want to know the answers. So I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, and the other thing is that you really do have to get more, introspective and curious, and you have to want to 
um, know that information and be open to hear the answers so that you can actually do something with those answers. So people might think, well, if I lost that business, you know, like here's the ego is if I lost that business, then I don't need that business. They didn't value me. They didn't know what I brought to the table. Uh, Yeah. It's so easy to say you don't need that's, it's just an excuse. It's just in the way of making your company more money. So you have to kind of get over yourself and reach out and understand (laughs) that we're just people. We're all just people talking to each other and trying to help each other do business together. So that's all you're trying to do. If you remove that ego, that fear, that doubt, if you get curious, if you prioritize it, that's when you can see reactivation really take off and mean something for people. You know what you said, Francesca, is a great summary of everything of, of why people don't. And it made me think of something that Tony Abato, obviously my sales mentor, uh, taught me years ago, which is when you're doing these reactivation things, because Tony's the first one to kind of reintroduce me to the value of doing this stuff. And, uh, and he went right after the big fish. That was, you know, how Tony is, he's the big game hunter. He's, you know, he's not bringing a squirrel gun out and he went after (laughs) the big fish. And he, what he said is you have to be prepared to sit there and take a beating for the first few calls and, and let them vent all the things that maybe, uh, they were frustrated about. And, and he did it with a large OEM who was a large piece of business that's shifted to a cheaper product. And so, and it was all the same people that were still there. He had to hear it from four or five different people before everybody kind of cleared the, their pallets. And mm-hmm. then they were in a position to where they were interested in maybe hearing what Tony had to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the first few calls for Tony was just getting his butt kicked and just being open to hearing it and, and all that. So that was like the first thing that occurred to me. The second thing that occurred to me, part two of that is usually when somebody has a complaint or a concern, let's say, right. Cause it may not be a complaint, but somebody else has that same thing. So mm-hmm. if we knew that our PFA price was too high, as an example, it made us start looking at every, all the other people who maybe volumes went down a little bit and start really looking at them through a different lens to understand, oh, is this a one-off problem or is this a systemic problem that's going to really impact us on a larger scale down the road? So it's to have to be adult enough and to be, you know, to be able to hear those things and to check your ego, like you said, Francesca, that's the most critical part of being able to make this work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, you it's, can't do it's that, a listening activity, you know, right. it's a listening activity. And so like, like you said, Mike, you have to let them clear the air vent because unless they feel heard, they're not going to hear a thing that you have to say to them. Yep. And as much as it, it hurts to take your licks because of course it does. What, what do you have to lose? You're talking about business that's already been lost. You're already at no. So you can't <laughs> get worse than that. The only place to go in customer reactivation is up. Right. So I think that if you enter with that mindset, that can change the approach that you have to it and being like, I got nothing to lose. There's only stuff to gain here. Why wouldn't you do this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess some people got to, they got to hear that point too. You're already at no, you know, rejection isn't a permanent state or it doesn't have to be. Uh, those calls must be interesting because I think in my experience, when, when people get to open up about why they're upset, sometimes they just start throwing spitballing. It's even stuff that doesn't even involve you or your company. So you see how much we pay for cable now? And I'm, like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Which is all important information. If it's information that is feeding their decision, you better have that information so yeah. that you can help them make a different decision. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Well, all right. 
Very, very well done. Very well said both on both your parts. So we know what it is in terms of what it is for you and, and Intech Services and, and how you and, and what it, what you do. Um, I want to know how this process works, Mike. How do you, how do we go about reactivating a customer that, that that's gone and and, and went in, in one state? Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty simple process to do customer reactivation, and mm-hmm. it's a process that. I think how we do it is one that's easily transferable to any of our listeners and viewers. Okay. Uh, so like I said, it's about one week a year. We usually do it this time of year. So about February, we uh, pull a list. We look, start looking at customer sales and we, and we highlight the people that haven't bought in a period of time. And for us, we look at it, who hasn't bought in a year. Uh, and then we divide that list and the salespeople who are responsible or, or, you know, they call. And so we chop it up. We all have some calls. We all start working through the process. It usually takes about a week, sometimes two weeks or so, uh, especially depending on um, what you're dealing with. So if it's a, a big corporation, it may take two weeks just to get the right person on the phone. But um, it's it's not a long-term process. And it's one that you can usually deliver on pretty quick. But, you know, it's, it's those key things. The first one is listening, asking the question, you know, making sure you're getting reacquainted with their organization, the, the people that are there that this many times there's turnover. So you want to make sure that we're going and, and contacting and connecting with the right people. Um, we always are always seeking to understand who else in the organization might have interest in, in Teflon coatings, because many times, especially in a large OEM uh, situation, they may give you four other engineers that are in different parts of the business that all may have projects involving nonstick or corrosion resistance or something like that. So we all, so while we're doing it, we want to understand our main point of contact, but also identify secondary points of contact because that's future prospects for us. Um, so, you know, get in touch with them, let them vent, let them un- try to understand, you know, is the opportunities, is the project or the job, is it still active? And if so, is it, what what are they using? Is there an opportunity ever? Is is that the ideal product form, or you know, is there something that would be better? And so, really trying to delve into understanding, is this a potential opportunity for us down the road? Um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And then, lastly, it's really kind of taking some time to educate them or re-educate on in tech and and what we are as a company and how we're trying to serve the market and how we can benefit them either today or at some point in the future. Because ultimately it's typically not the win in this, the result that we're looking for. It is, it's usually not a purchase order coming in the next day that, that, it's happened, but that's not really what we're looking for. What we're looking for is to understand these these chunks of business. Can they potentially? Can we potentially earn that back? Yeah, well, I was can, just gonna. Yeah, can you yeah. earn it back? And I was gonna say that going into something like this, where you know it's, it can be a difficult process, Mike. What what's a realistic expectation? Because you just it, said, you know, it. The hope is you can get some of them back, um, mm-hmm. and it. But it might be a year before you get it back. It might be six months. It might be 10 years. Um, I will tell you this. I am going on a trip with Chris Lord next week. We're going to visit someone he reactivated. And we haven't sold them a pound of material for or a kilogram um, for at least 10 years. And it was wow, one that was, it was a, and, and we called him periodically once a year some and to understand what was happening. And he just kept grinding on him. And then finally, he there was an opening and he they knew who we were because he stayed in touch with them periodically. And that's what you're looking for that you're not necessarily top of mind, but as soon as there's a hiccup with whatever their current situation is, 
because we've respectfully kept in touch with them and, and understood their business and, and, and informed them about, you know, what we're doing as an organization, we're now we're someone that they could re-engage with. And that's all, that's the only thing we, I ever want with this is give us the opportunity to re-engage. Cause I'm comfortable that with our, our support and our product mix that we're going to win the day. And so that's the expectation is like, you know, it's, is to position yourselves for the future opportunity. And, and, and then when you get them, it's being able to capitalize. Wow. That's yeah. It's funny, Mike, cause it does play into what you said plays into the, um, what you said earlier, which is it's not purely a sales or marketing, you know, oppor- or, or yep. action item or anything function, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's neither of those things. It's both of those things. And so what you're doing is it, it could be 10 years, like you said, 10 years of phone calls that are not, a, it's not a single sale, but you're building that trust and you're building that relationship so that when they think, when they do hit that hiccup and you are, like you said, top of mind, or at least like they know that you've been there through the non-sales. So you're no longer seen as somebody trying to get something from them that allows you to give something to them. Right. Man, that is a long-term play, though, to use your words. Mike, 10 years. 10! 10, 10 years on this one. You're, and you're hitting the road. Yeah, it, on- and it wasn't four gallons of material either. I mean, right. it's was, it was a sizable <laughs> thing, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, your reactivation should be proportional to the of opportunity. Of course. I was looking at that one and just thinking Mike hitting the road with uh, Chris Lord Star of the Deliver More show. By, by the way, <laughs> he is pissed. I saw him just a little while ago that he's not on today. So he's backstage. <laughs> watch, out for, watch out, Francesca. He's going to have some notes for us. <laughs> <laughs> look, look out, Charlotte. Look, um, I, let's go to you, Francesca, because I just want to know a little bit more about this and, and if we outline it for me, if you could. A uh, little role play. Francesca, you're a coder. How do you go about calling a lost customer? How, what, what's the approach like? I think when you call a lost customer, if you're, if you're a coder doing the reactivation, then you need to be aware that you are listening in those conversations for pain points, because within those pain points lie the, the opportunity to help be the solution provider. And since as a Teflon coder, you are a specialist and a solution provider, you know exactly how to, to do that already. And we say like, look at it for opportunities to talk about product, to talk about capability and to talk about the industry or the market. So if I'm a coder and I'm trying and I'm calling somebody, I haven't done anything for them in, you know, let's say 12 weeks and it's been a while and they're usually right there. And I hear that they went with you know, another coding or another coder because they, we didn't have the, the product that we used didn't perform the way they wanted it to. Well, maybe they need to know about new products that I just started coding with. So, Hey, I have this new three code. I think it's going to do even better than what you're using now, let alone what you, we used before. Or you can say, if you lost it because of turnaround time, you can talk about the increase. Um, you know, you added another line to, to your runs. So now you can run twice as much and half the time and you're doing great. You can talk about um, the improvements you've made in tooling so that you can code different parts better and it's more automated. You can say, hey, listen, we have a much better masker now. And so we can do these parts that are really difficult to code because they're really intricate. Now we're hanging parts. We can cure at lower temps or higher temps and find what it is that is their pain point. 
and approach it with a solution mindset in the product capability or market um, approach. I think that's that's the way you go about it is those three categories, listening and then providing a solution. Yep. And that's a nice soft sell approach to be able to do it that way in terms of, you know, hearing, let them vent, hear them out, understand, but then based on what they say, it'll let you tailor your response to, mm-hmm. to hit on a hot button that say, hey, just FYI, keep this in mind. You know, we do have this capability or that capability, or we're now doing this product, or we're now, we've actually done a lot more work in that same industry that you're just mentioned. Like, oh, you're going heavy in the aerospace. Whoa, we do a lot in aerospace. If you ever need help, give us a call. Like it's not, yeah. you're not hard pressing them and like it's, but to let them know that you're there for them, like that approach, it's the long game, but it's also the sustainable game in my mind. All right. Well, okay. We do that work. It's tough work. There's a lot of listening, a lot of good reactive um, uh, responses too, but what, what's the, where does this end? Because I could see if like Mike's like, Hey, you know, Nick, call these customers, here's your list, do whatever. If I, it's not going to end with you saying, Hey, did you call those people, Nick? And I'm like, yeah, I'll see you later, Mike. Now, what, what do we do? Like, what's the final part of this? Uh, Cause you have information. Well, what do you do? Oh uh, yeah. Um, so what we usually do, we have campaigns is how we do it. So we'll say, Hey, this campaign, Chris Lord will organize it with the team. And mm-hmm. then when the team's done, they compile the results. You have to keep the results somewhere for us. It's in Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's sitting in somebody's notebook or on a bar napkin, that's useless next year when you're doing the same thing. So absolutely be able to track historical information because that's the key before you even make the call, you're looking at what the prior conversations were. But yeah. we usually have a campaign wrap up where, where Francesca and marketing team will be involved so they can also hear the feedback and the results because ultimately that she, and then I can pretty much guarantee Francesca will have a lot of questions, um, <laughs> and, but that's, but she's listening in a different, in a different way because she's right. trying to understand like, is this a market that we're not approaching the right way or we're missing? Is there, so, is there a new market Patterns development? that we can do, you know, yeah. make content around and do yeah. messaging. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of where it ends for us is, you know, it's, it's, you know, we deliver this stuff, we compile the results, we, there's hopefully some opportunities that will sit in the sales pipelines. There's going to be some information for the marketing team that they can use to kind of refine some messaging in their approach. And then, and then we move on and we, you know, we pick it back up again next year and, you know, and, and just keep it rolling. Yeah. You really use it everywhere because you use it for that call, but then you apply it to, to everything, you know, with, with the sales guys, if with the, with the marketing team, you know, your social now, it's like you find out that most people left because they didn't know that you were in a certain market. And so, well, now we need to be putting it out there that we're in that market, that we're experts in that market, that we can do that. You know, you find out that people aren't happy with pricing or with, you know, um, you know, capabilities. So you find out what you, you, you've got to take control of the narrative and then message that constantly so that people know that you are, there for them when they need that again. There you go. And both of you said this is this is a process. This is ongoing. So uh, it's so important. Do something with the results, with the information, uh, and continue to build out that process so you're not going into things blind in the future. This is great, guys. I'm a lot better. This is much better than my Google search uh, when it comes to <laughs> customer reactivation. They told me to make a mixtape and make sure I put some stuff by, you know, Morrissey and The Cure on there. Guys, uh, while I got you here, um, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. 
uh, our, our listeners, happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Uh, and pre-pandemic, Americans used to drop on Valentine's Day, 20 billion, 20 billion in gifts. That wow. was a remarkable number to me. We sell, we send 145 million uh, cards. Um, but it, is, is Valentine's Day something you guys like? There's, that's like a, that's a bad question. I mean, there's not a good answer. Of course it so, is. So, you know, it is, it's a nice day to, to just reconnect with your significant other or family or, you know, like, but you know, it is one of those ones that I think is kind of an overrated Hallmark holiday. Sure. Um, but hey, I fall into that same trap every day. I'm, oh, yeah. you know, I'm buying a card, buying flowers and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought he said I'm buying a car. I was like, gee, wow. Every <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> I would. I'm actually in the market for a car. If anybody can find one that's not 40 percent overpriced right now. <laughs> let me know. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's a nice holiday, uh, but it's not one that I'm like now planning on. Like this is my on the way home from work on Valentine's Day is when I'm stopping to pick something up. Hey, that's honest. I like that. I, I don't like the disconnect between what Valentine's Day is sold as and what it actually becomes. Like, yeah. like uh -oh. you said, Mike, like the thought that you're that you put into <laughs> it is like the drive home, maybe the day before. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's sold as this super thoughtful holiday. And it's like, well, that's not the same thing. So I like it for, OK, yeah, let's have a nice dinner. It's a reason to treat yourself or your significant you, other and all of that. But yeah. I, I don't like the, the crappy um, like markup of flowers and needless teddy bears. And who needs a box of chocolates when you don't even because you don't know what you're getting, what you're biting into. I, I don't, I don't need five that's coconut whole, candies that I'm not going to eat. Yeah, that's a whole wow. different episode about your, yeah. your affliction with, with <laughs> Russell Stover. Yeah. Those are the bone, <laughs> the bonus episodes. And I, I think it's cooler now that I got into the point where I'm like, all right, you know what I do on Valentine's day? Nice, nice ingredients, nice dinner, but I stay the hell out of restaurants on that day just cause yeah. it's, it's a little too much and you're getting Although good you know, people watching. Yeah, good people yeah. watching. You might see an engagement, a breakup. That's fun. So, so they do. Uh, <laughs> we, we know this, too. We do know that our, our listeners do like we draw back the curtain a little bit. It got me to thinking this. Um, what what's the what's the worst date? What's the date that you thought, hey, I got this great idea, but it totally blew up in your face because I had this one where I uh, I was I was seeing this girl and I said, uh, you know what? We've done the movies. We've done the dinners. We've done all this stuff. You know, what we're going to do we're going to go out hiking. We're going to have a great day out. We're going to have a hike. It was awful. Um, I should tell the honest Francesca's the girl that I went with. It was a <laughs> terrible. Bad. There were bugs everywhere. Snakes. I think a dragon attacked us at one point. And I had this great like the, the reality versus what I, I expected couldn't have been different at all. I felt like a total, total loser at the end of that. Uh, Do you ever have a date blow up in your face, Mike? No. I <laughs> <laughs> think I'm going to reveal that here. Uh, <laughs> it was the other I did once. I did once. I was hiking with Nick, and uh, <laughs> and that, that's the time where he had fifth year hide that body. It was, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Francesca, did you have one blow up in your face? I'm sure I have. Um, Blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, I think I repressed it like immediately because yeah. <laughs> other than the snake surprising us on the hike, um, <sighs> I good, don't right? remember any of my bad dates. 
I apologize again for that one, by the way. But uh, yeah, Valentine worked out for you too. Yeah, it yeah. did. Valentine's Day for the good and the bad. We we, we wish you the best uh, to our listeners. Uh, spirit of Valentine's Day, we love you. Thank you for listening to Deliver More. And Mike and Francesca, thanks for uh, for you know just outlining this thing and teaching us a little bit about customer reactivation. Uh, that that was really uh, enlightening for me, and I know for our listeners. Our pleasure. Happy to. All right, guys. Well, look, we're going to see you next month. We'll have a new edition for March. We can't wait to to uh, present that to you. Put the teaser oh, out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to last what time, it is. Last time we had a last March, we had an absolute blast with our concept of doing our little version of March Madness with coatings here. Mike, you and Wolf and the team helped us dream this one up. Uh, we had it was better than I, I hope last year. And I'm excited about repeating it this time. How about you? No, oh, I can't wait. And, and uh, the sales team's already prepping. Now they know what to expect. I blindsided them with this last year. So now they know what to expect. So yeah, um, yeah. this should be fun. There is nothing like uh, public joust. Uh, it, it brought out the best in some of these guys, man. And some of them, <laughs> some of them are still harboring some hurt feelings from that episode. Yeah, definitely <laughs> butthurt. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have a great episode for all of you uh, next month. So once again, thank you, Francesca. Uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, and, and thank you to all our listeners. We're going to see you next month on the Deliver More show from Delaware. Delaware. Bye-bye now. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.